Another episode of Filipino Fridays with your co-hosts. It's your boy, Byron. Archie, hey. It's Chia, y'all. What's up? We are so excited to have on our show today the producer, director of Escape to the Cove, Mr. Robert. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Archie. Thank well, you. It's nice to see you guys, you girls. Yes. Well, before we get right into it, we would love for our listeners to get to know who you are. So please tell everybody who you are, what you do, and the story behind the movie. Well, excellent. Uh, my name is Robert Enriquez. I'm primarily a talent manager based out of Los Angeles. But last year when we were in the COVID lockdown situation, I tried to use what I had accessible to me and make a feature film called Escape to the Cove, which we finished at the end of 2020. We started May 3rd of 2020. And then, like I said, we finished in the fall and we've been submitting to film festivals, did a bunch of those. And now we are streaming where we can be found on Amazon. Well, congratulations. I mean, that was definitely quite the pandemic project, but tell us a little bit about the, you know, the journey behind the story, building the script. There were some really unique factors that were happening. Of course, it's the pandemic, but there was something happening with the water. There's happening with the LA streets. So share with us a little bit on kind of really what inspired the story. Yeah, it was after... I think we were we were pretty much locked down middle of March. So by the time May got here, me and some of my creative friends, we were just like, well, we got to do something. We're going crazy. You're getting depressed. We're just sitting around doing nothing. So we were in the mar- this marina in King Harbor in Redondo. And coincidentally, it was the same time when there was this red tide. And with the red tide, it's like in the day, the water's all brown and gross. But at nighttime, when you just touch the water, it glows this really bright blue. Like it's magical. So that day we decided let's let's start filming something. So I reached out to a, a kid who could fly my drone. We started shooting drone shots. And then I just started writing the script. We didn't know where it was gonna go necessarily. Except I knew that we would have to be with, you know, at least to start just me as one of the actors and my friend as the other actor so that he could film me and then I could film him because we didn't know who else would want to work with us until weeks later. So we just started filming, just started filming. And then I tried to find ways to build the story from there because I wasn't sure what the story was even going to be at that point other than, okay, it's going to be a post-pandemic, apocalyptic zombie type film. So I knew that we could grow into that as time went by. So like even after a couple of days, I found a friend of mine who was a stunt guy. So we shot this one scene on the boat and while the fluorescent water was happening, we did this scene to where at the end of the fight scene, he falls in the water and we can see it all glow. So like, we got to shoot that. So we shot it. We didn't know what it would be in the movie yet. So we had to fill all that in later, but it was just trying to grab what we could. And then other little things like using the environment were like going into downtown LA, we would just drive down there and there's no cars and you don't, you never get to see that unless you spend a ton of money to lock it up. So I would shoot my friend walking off the freeway entrance with no cars or him walking down streets with, you know, notable landmarks in downtown LA with just nobody around. So it was fun in that, 
that we were able to do something creative and get access to these things that typically we wouldn't be able to without spending tons of money. Would you say that the pandemic kind of was a blessing in disguise in that way? <laughs> well, with a lot of those things, for sure. It was tough finding other actors. We were still able to do it just through connections. But, you know, I don't as far as filmmaking goes or even like just what we're doing here, understanding the technical stuff. Like our audio on this film was the best audio I've ever had because there's no airplanes flying. There's no cars driving by making noise. Every once in a while, we'd get a siren and be like, what in the world is that? Okay, an, an ambulance just went by or something. But it was interesting when we were finished and we had to pay to get it cleaned up, there was not much to do because for once there wasn't a lot of other noises affecting it. Amazing. Well, Definitely you a blessing know- with that. Yeah, it it really worked out. And even though we could say that the industry was disrupted, it would affect many professionals and in in their mental health. You channel that energy into creating something, you know, amazing. And then having all of these other factors kind of working out where, you know, the audio is clean, you get some clear dead LA streets, you know, and the natural um, occurrences that really help to boost kind of of the aesthetics of the film uh overall it was kind of i would say it's meant to be you know where your project was put right. together and it came together really nicely like that and congratulations because now it's showing and it's showing on amazon and right. it's um, been picked up by a lot of the film festivals um i want to take it back to your uh career in this industry can you take us through okay. the journey of kind of you know starting out I also would love to share kind of something unique, you know, not a lot of people would realize you're this six, five uh, Filipino American, (laughs) half Filipino American um, man. And share with us kind of what that journey is uh, in the industry, in the entertainment industry, not only with getting casted with, you know, being mixed Filipino and then also setting out to uh, be a talent manager. Um, Take us through what your uh, journey was like in your career. Well, early, early on, when I first, when I discovered that I couldn't go in the military, because that's what we were supposed to do, or at least my dad said, you got to go in the military. That's the easy way to go to pay for college. And I, I, I started going down that route. And then I had a bad, a bad football injury. So I wasn't able to go into the military for several years. And then back then we got into a conflict in the Middle East. And I said, you know, I'm better off just going to college. So I was in college. And then with that, I thought, okay, I'm going to go into dentistry or some medical field. And, you know, because that was also another thing that I thought was expected. And I, along that journey, I got away from home when I was in college and I decided to take a, a, a class. And part of that class, you had to watch an audition. And I went in and I watched and they talked me into auditioning and I ended up booking a show. So secretly, I was doing plays while I was doing my pre-med work. And then I said, you know, I'm going to invite my dad, who was the Filipino of my two parents, and because uh, I thought for sure he would flip out. No, you got to stay with this other route because, you know, you have to be a nurse or a doctor or something yeah. like that. But instead, he's like, no, Bobby, you love this. You need to do this. So it changed. So I'm like, wow, OK, I wish I would have thought, you know, to talk to you about it earlier. So I went into that performing world and started doing that through college. And then towards the end of college, I started working as an actor in Florida. And there, there was only so much. So I kept, you know, doing whatever I could. And then I decided to come out to California. And here right away, I started producing as well, while trying to act. And then I got so tied up in producing, I stopped acting. And then over years, I started to get into many different aspects of entertainment. And I worked at a talent agency. 
And I thought, okay, as I do this, I, I enjoy it, but I'd rather have a smaller roster. So I started my own company in management to where I could actually know who my clients are. And I have a bunch of clients now that I've had for, you know, in the 20 year range, I've got Amber West, who's on run the world right now. And Alan Maldonado, who's going to be on the wonder years. And he's got a show called heels coming out, done a ton of movies like equalizer and straight out of Compton and just grown with these young actors. And, and for me as a filmmaker, it's nice because then you get all these other connections because coming from Florida, where my father was a landscaper and my mom was a nurse, I didn't have any contacts in the industry. So I came out here and like, how can I get more contacts? And with a management company, it's definitely helped that flourish. So Luckily, I've gotten to a place where I can I can produce and I can direct while at the same time repping the clients and keeping them on shows and balancing the both of those two worlds. It's been a lot of fun. Wow. Um, and would you say, you know, when it came to talent management, would you say it was important or significant for you to represent, you know, a diverse roster? I mean, being, you know, mixed Filipino oh. yourself, can you tell us, yeah. I guess, how significant that was for you to also lobby for them yeah, and well, to represent them? Yeah. Right. I felt this was really early on. I'd found a picture online of a person with dark skin and dark hair and light eyes and freckles all over. And it's like, you could not guess what this person was. And, and I saw that that's how the world was mixing. Everything is coming together and we're all becoming, you know, this one type of look pretty quickly because that was 20 years ago. And, you know, from that point, you could tell, you know, when I was booking clients on commercials, they were all blonde hair and blue eyes. If you watch commercials now, it's not where that was. And 20 years ago, I knew it. I said, okay, that's going to be the people who are buying products. They're going to want to cast those type people. Not to mention for me, when I was an actor, you know, if they wanted a certain type, I would go in and I was nothing like that. I'm like, well, eventually it's going to have to turn. So a lot of my clients are mixed ethnicities, and especially the ones that are working a lot right now. They're, you know, they're half, half uh, white, half black, American Indian, you know, mixes like that where you really can't tell. So it's fun to be able to pitch them as different types or pitch them as not a specific ethnicity at all. It's just fun to see, okay, we can have someone who's white, Cherokee and African-American going in for a role that's just a lead in a show just because they they can act the way that they should, you know, to lead a show and have that talent level as opposed to just based on skin color. I think it's been fantastic with the growth we've had with that. Amazing. Archie, while we're here, do you have anything else to add or ask before I continue with the next questions? No, I want. I wanted to ask um, how casting was for you. When you were auditioning for any roles, were you put into a box of some sorts or what type of categories, quote unquote category, did you typically fall under? Yeah, it, it, was, it was actually part of why when I moved out to California, I got kind of, you know, I wasn't real thrilled with how things were because I was going in casting. Was, I was either a bad guy or nothing. I mean, one, like she said, with my height, six, five, I had dark skin and the look was always like, you know, you're a big drug dealer or some sort of criminal. And that's all I would go in for. Or it would say in the breakdown, you're a, you know, you're a short order cook at Denny's and they would want, you know, Mexican and like, okay, Robert Enriquez, he's Mexican. So <laughs> I would go in and I wouldn't look like what they were looking for. So after a while, I'm like, I don't want to spend all this time driving all over LA to get a shot at something where they're not really what I'm looking for, but they see my last name and they'll give me a shot, but there's no way in, in heck that I'm going to get it. So that was part of when I stepped back and said, let me just start making projects. And then 
I was smart enough not to cast me and cast somebody who was better. So I did, <laughs> I did that and got stuck producing for a long time, but it was, it, it, it was very frustrating because it was always usually a bad guy. And then when, when I had longer hair, which I happen to have right now, it was a lot of Indian roles I would go in for. So I would get that chance, which was fun to get to play American Indian, indigenous Indian, but it was never for a Filipino. It was never for anything that was really a lead until, you know, now it would be more like that, but early on, definitely not. And it was extremely frustrating. Did you ever even get to come across any storylines with Filipino storylines or, or Filipino representation? Oh, back then, never. Wow. Back then, never. Yeah. I don't remember even ever seeing that. You know, it was it was either like Japanese or Chinese. Filipino was very rare. And, uh, you know, obviously there was the occasional nurse or something like that. And even then they would usually go to, a, then it would be, they would go female. So I didn't see any of those really early on very rare. And then now just kind of uh, being on the other lens now, seeing being obviously a talent manager and seeing how more and more it seems like the industry is now opening up to a more diverse storyline um, to different, you know, different types of people, even mixed, you know, ethnicities, you know, can you share with us your thoughts and observations? And, you know, would you think that this was something that's overdue or are you excited that this is where the industry is heading? I, I, I personally, from my end, I think it's great. I think it's it's opened up a lot, and I think the creative people that that I respect, they they go to that with their castings. I mean, you'll watch something, whether it's a a limited series or a movie, and you have a a a, a black female with a British accent, or you have you know an Asian with a British accent or a Southern accent. And you're like. That's not impossible anymore. There's there's Filipinos that grew up in Tennessee and, and Atlanta and they start talking. You're like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's really interesting. So I love how that's all blending together in ways that blow your mind, at least creatively. And it just to me, it just adds these really nice layers as opposed to everybody just looking the same and getting exactly what you're guessing they would be. It's it's nice to see something different. And I, and I love that. I love seeing it, the different types. And I, and I do think we're getting so much more of that. It's fantastic. What I'm excited to find out from you is like, what kind of Filipino stories are you hoping to see more of? Or are you looking uh, forward to hopefully see or maybe produce one day? I, I sometimes sit back and I think, OK, what would be a fun Filipino story to tell? I mean, I'm half and I think there's certain things that I experienced growing up that I thought, okay, that might be an interesting film. If it was really something pushing a Filipino narrative, I would rather see someone who was 100% Filipino tell that story. Now, for me personally, as a creative, I'd rather just tell a story and plug a Filipino in the role where it doesn't have to be anything. And that's one of the things I joked about a lot when I was pushing for the marketing before our release is that like Dave Batista, he's half Filipino. He's the only other one out there who's like my size. He was putting out a zombie film in May. I was putting out a zombie film in May. Nothing in either project said that we were Filipino. We were just the leads in these films. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's kind of an interesting thing you don't see very often. <laughs> Granted, his <laughs> has a lot more exposure and a lot more money behind it. But it was fun to be able to say, look, these are two films starring Filipino, half Filipino actors 
coming out in the same month. You're not going to be able to say that, you know, too often, but in either script, you know, mine doesn't say, okay, he was from a Filipino family and this is just, he's, you know, just, I was casting it and his, in his film, same thing. There was no specifics. It's just, he's the guy. So I thought that was fun. And, and for the future, that's how I would love to see people portrayed is just, just cast the, the right person in the role. You know, it doesn't have to, if and it happens to be Filipino, that's awesome. But I don't think for me, I would push that hard for specific Filipino stories. That's amazing that you share that because that's really what regular life looks like now. I mean, it doesn't matter kind of who you are, where you come from. And so I, as much as it would be nice to see, obviously a more Asian representation or Asian stories or Filipino stories, you know, the fact of the reality is that our ethnicities or race doesn't really define what our stories are. We're we're just human people with different types of layers and depths. And it would be more exciting to see the future where it is like that, where it's just how it, your normal world looks like with your neighbor. <laughs> it's like that. It all just really depends on the talent at the end of yeah. the day. It doesn't yeah. really matter about the skin color or any of that. Fun. I think that's the fun way to go. And that, that's another thing that when I look back at this particular film that I really like is the other lead actor other than me is this other, this younger guy and he's half Lebanese, but you'd never know what he is or you don't care because it's not part of the story. He's just this young guy who's looking for family or connecting with other people to help him survive. But we're not putting any emphasis on what his skin color is or where he came from specifically to his ethnicity at all. He's just the only other actor I had available, (laughs) but, but it works in the story. Um, What I want to dive in a little bit is into your creative process when it came to writing Mm -hmm. the movie. I'm kind of taking it back into the movie now um, because I'd like to believe for every creative, a piece of themselves always goes into what they're doing, whether they're painting, whether they're writing a song, whether they are producing or uh, writing a screenplay like you. So can you take us kind of into, yeah, your thought process or pieces of yourself that really went into this film? I, I agree for sure, especially this was my first time writing something completely. So it's like if I'm writing for this young kid who's supposed to be in his early 20s, who lost his family and is walking the streets, I don't actually know 100% of what his voice is. So I have to kind of go back to where I was with that mindset. I might have a certain mindset now as a 50 year old man versus this kid who's in his early 20s. So I try to put in things that I see in the world now, you know, it's almost through a sieve to what he would be feeling tied into what I felt at the time when I was that age and what was important to me. So I put those into like that character. And then with my character, it's like, okay, how can I make mine as if, you know, I actually was in the military and I was this character who had to fight for the country for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden we got into this pandemic and how would he react with outsiders coming to him? You know, he's probably a little, little more grumpy. He's going to be a little more like this. So it's like putting myself into those make-believe situations. You're putting a lot of yourself into everything. And that's one of the things that scared me the most because as a talent manager, you know, I'm putting my clients out in front of the camera and in front of the press and getting critiqued. This time it was all me. I'm like, Ooh, if people don't like this, I'm going to get ripped apart. And I can't hide behind anything because I wrote it, I directed it, I acted in it, (laughs) did the whole thing. So 
you, you, so as far as that goes, the, um, putting yourself into it, it was a little scary. So I'm like, how much of myself do I put in here? You know, do I put, you know, how I feel about certain political things? Well, I can put it in this character and I can put some in this character and just spread it out a little bit, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of yourself going into something like this when you're the one in front of the camera and also the one who's writing it, because I had to dive into all those different aspects of, you know, how these people would interact based on what I know. And that's what I know is, you know, how I hopefully I got it onto the page and got it in front of the camera as well. So well, thank you for being so vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> because now everybody yeah. gets to enjoy kind of this, you know, amazing piece that you put together. Um, and it really just takes putting yourself onto the page in different layers through different yeah. eyes and, and perspectives. Um, yeah. Well, I want to make it fun a little bit here. So in a zombie apocalypse, what are the top three things that you're going to take with you? <laughs> I thought we were getting to the Filipino food again. Oh, we okay. could do that too, but yeah, that's what I would bring with me. What would I bring with me? I would definitely, just like in the film, he had a crossbow and a knife, so he had things so he could capture things or food, and also defend himself at close range from zombies. I mean, I guess that's what you'd need, definitely, and a way to get water. That was the main one. In the film, he had to capture water through plastic, so raindrops and as we know in california it doesn't rain very often so i guess the spoiler alert is he probably would have died just from being thirsty archie what were you gonna add no i was just gonna say good choice of weapons because i i can go binge watch like zombie movies or like yeah. shows all day now so good choice in weapons that's another well, thing that brings up that when I made this, I hadn't really watched any zombie films before. So it was all from scratch, what I thought would be happening from how they move to look like and everything. I mean, I saw one 28 days later, this film. But other than that, like I just watched Walking Dead recently, I think within the last month or two. Because prior to that, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know much about it. I just thought it would be something fun to do. That's great. I can um, associate that to the same kind of, I think, process that Christopher Nolan does. He doesn't want to be influenced. And so he fully shuts out and say like, okay, I am fixated on this idea. I don't want to watch or read anything about it. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then and then create something uh, completely original, which is a really amazing process that you also went through right. in order to put together a piece yeah. that hasn't been kind of, you know, influenced or somewhat tainted yeah. or just... Right. Or, copied in a sense. Yeah. If you are willing to get bit by a zombie for one type of specific Filipino food, <laughs> what would it be <laughs> since you brought up the Yo, those are fighting words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think I, I think I think I said this last time, too, because I think of certain things and I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, that would be good. And it's just too hard to decide. And then I think the only thing that I could not live without would be rice. But then that's too boring. So I'd have to go for fried rice and then and it would have to be fried rice with some seafood in it and bacon, <laughs> like shrimp or something. But, yeah, that would be my go to again. I would, I would want to have endless supplies of fried rice. Oh, see, that's smart because you have everything in there. You got your proteins, you got your veggies, you got everything. (laughs) (laughs) Making me hungry. Making me hungry. Same here. Well, what are you, what is next for Robert Enriquez? What's next for the future? What's next for the industry? What's next for, yeah, what's the next project coming up? Well, I'm going to, a lot of focus now that because things are opening up, my clients are starting to get into the groove of working again. So, the management's going to, it's obviously always my priority. 
because um, that's my day job. But then as far as filmmaking goes, before I made this film, I'd actually made another film called Adventure Harbor, which is a kid's film. And that comes out in the middle of July. And it'll be the same thing, Amazon and Google Play and iTunes and all that stuff. So I'm excited about that. It's another, it's a fun kid's film that I made around 2018, 19. It took a little while to make that one. And then the end of this year, I'm hoping to make this film called Cash for Gold that I made a short on and we did relatively well in the film festival world and then my writer deborah puet who's also a client she wrote it into a feature script and then we will um hopefully shoot that in the winter or this fall looking forward to that but yeah a few films here and there and maybe even hopefully if i can get the script finished and uh, raise a little money and make a escape from the cove make a sequel to the zombie film that would be fun and then uh like I said, yeah, the main thing is just the talent management. And then whenever there's downtime, just squeeze in the filmmaking so that you can keep busy. Amazing. Well, of course, our listeners will be interested to ask from the wisdom of a talent manager <laughs> if they yeah. are going to pursue, um, you know, acting, if they are going to pursue a career um, in the entertainment industry, in the film industry, what is your advice? What can they take away from this episode that they can, you know, that they can really sink their teeth into that could um, give them some perspective, some insight uh, when they are mm. going to pursue that type of career and profession? I think the, the, the most simple thing to keep in mind that a lot of people don't do is don't be afraid to just focus on what you are. Like know what the product is. Don't try to be something else. And I had a lot of that early on when I dealt with people. They're always trying to trying to be Brad Pitt or they're trying to be Angelina, like just you're you. And that's amazing. Nobody else can be you. So you focus on being the best you in regards to how your acting is and don't change that as far as your look goes, all that stuff. And then just be in class, be ready to go, get a really good team around you, whether it's a, an agent and a manager, people you trust so that, you know, you can check that box and move on to the other things, like whether it's your physical fitness and being ready to go or different accents you want to be able to do down the line or horse riding or scuba diving, just special skills that can help you get into other things. But the main thing I think is just understanding what you are as a person and as an actor, because even if it's say we just take for you for an example, maybe your thing is comedy, then really focus on that. And if that's what you want to do, really focus on that and keep going. And then if you want to grow into other things later, that's fine. But focus on what I think drives you is the most important thing, because if you're going for something like if it's just, oh, I just want to be famous, you're going to get burnt out really fast. Now, if you want to be an actor and all of a sudden you focus on the craft and you do really well, you're going to become famous and you're probably not even going to want it. because, like, you know, I want my privacy and I want to do this and that. So I think the most important thing is just focus on the craft, be ready to go, have a good team around you that you trust, that you can grow with and just just that. I think that passion will come when it's something you really want to do. And don't listen to people saying, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. People have been telling me that whole life and I've been succeeding in it the whole time. It's like, it's almost, it's almost driven me when they tell me, well, I can't do it. Then I'm going to make it. You know, if I don't have industry connections, then I'm going to make them, you know, I'm going to go out and meet people. I'm going to, you know, bring something to the table so that they'll want to work with me. So I think that's the key is just, you know, having the, your passion in the right place because then the rest will come. 
Fantastic. It's that Filipino tenacity and resiliency. So oh. thank you so much for that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the blood. Amazing. Yes. Well, before we end it off, please tell our listeners where they can find you, uh, where they can check out your work. I said, well, let's see. You can find me. Probably the best thing that I stay in touch with people with and put on my projects and whatnot, or the main one is my Instagram. It's Enriquez.Robert, E-N-R-I-Q-U-E-Z. Dot Robert. And I put, I'll put the other for the films on there, like Escape to the Cove info is on there, Adventure Harbor that'll be coming out. I put things all the time about my different clients and whatnot, you know, and like you're saying, talking about people wanting to get started. If anyone out there is like wanting advice, I get back to people, you know, I might get back to you just once on there and say, go to my email and then I'll switch over to email just it's easier to manage, which is Robert at redbaronfilms.com. But I love helping people. Cause I think what you get, you know, it comes, it comes and goes, you know, you give, you give and it comes back. So I've helped so many young people when they're starting out and, you know, I may or may not be able to rep people, but I'm more than happy to give advice. I've made a lot of mistakes, lots of mistakes. <laughs> and by doing that, you learn a lot. And I've been doing this a long time. So whether it's acting or writing or producing or anything I can do to help young Filipino filmmakers or non-Filipino filmmakers alike, it doesn't matter. It's always fun to, to reach out and help people. Well, thank you so much for that. You're definitely an example and an inspiration of what it means to, you know, to have Kapwa, to embody Kapwa, which is to care for your community, to care for your people, or to just care for everybody in general. So for you to be so generous with, you know, sharing your time and uh, being able to give advice and to be a guide along the way. uh, Thank you so much for your work. And thank you so much for your support. And um, we are so thankful that we were able to connect with you not only yes, to promote your you. film oh, but also to learn from you and for others to, to learn um you know to learn from you to learn uh what it takes in the future to pursue that career and the qualities that it takes to survive in this really tough industry so thank yeah. you so much robert for coming on today. thank you Wonderful. thank you so much it was fun That concludes another episode of Filipino Fridays. It's your boy, Byron, with my co-hosts. This guy, Dot RJ. Archie. Archia. You can find our episodes on CITR 101.9 every Monday at 11 a.m. for all of you Filipino timers. So thank you guys and Archia. Yeah, so that's our episode for today. Let's get it done in 2021, y'all.